You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. The Trek Files, Season 11, Episode 1, Contract Request Form, Writer, March 12, 1968. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, all you Star Trek fans. Hey, it's it's our season 11. Welcome back for our season premiere. Yes, and I'm talking to everybody out there. All of our history fans, our Trek history fans, our, our canonises, I say that lovingly, and of course, our Trekophiles. Spelled with an F. Thank you for being with us as we start a new season here. We've got such a special show today with a special guest, a first-time guest of the series. And, well, look, if you're new to the show, you may not know that we're the only podcast with homework. <laughs> no, seriously, look at our page at Facebook, facebook.com slash The Trek Files. That's where our document of the week is. You want to take a look because it's going to be the springboard for what we talk about today, which is, yes, back into the glory days of the 60s and 70s with a special emphasis on the anniversary we're celebrating this year, the 50th anniversary of the debut of the animated series from 1973. So take a look at that sample. Hey, here's a little audio to get you started, but hang around and I'll be right back with our guest this week. Contract request form. Writer. Date, March 12th. 1968. Subject, David Gerald, Star Trek. Agent, Bess Barrows, Barrows and Brand. Commitment, story with option for teleplay, BEM. Fee, $3,000. Residuals, minimum. Yes, and with all the talk about... I hate that word. I hate that word, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you should know who we're, we've got this week. I was going to say, with all the talk about a writer strike recently uh, and the deals of how writers are structured, um, some things have changed much, like the, hopefully the money values, but other things haven't. You know already who our guest is this week, everybody. I am so thrilled to welcome to the Trek Files the great author, the father of the Tribbles, and so much more as we're going to get into today. Um, and everything else he's done with his career and his life, that he's given so much to Star Trek, though. Uh, David Gerald, it is such a pleasure to have you finally here with us on the Trek Files. Uh, uh, Larry, you're one of my favorite people in the world. <laughs> and uh, so the opportunity to spend time with you, when it's just, you know, it's a little extra little uh, zets in the day-to-day grind of life. We're in the middle of moving. You can see my son, the Martian child, moving stuff <laughs> back and forth as he's packing. So uh, try not to be distracted. No, no, no. It's but, all good. Uh, it's all good. Well, did I mean, have, has it set with you that uh, I don't know if you, you probably haven't seen. I don't know if you ever saw these documents because they were the these were the Desilu side. No, I, I, I hardly ever see anything but the scripts. And, and it's like my agent says, you know, you have a job or you don't have a job. It's, OK, are we getting any money? Yeah, I'm good. All right. <laughs> well, the, um, I actually haven't I haven't had a job in Hollywood in a long time, um, which is a long story. Uh, I've been concentrating on uh, my son and on my books. Right, right. But uh, 
We will get to that, I, or we won't. Well, or... we'll see. But I, I was going to ask you. You know, so much people, Star Trek fans, love to celebrate the anniversaries and the special times. And has it sat with you much that this is the fiftieth anniversary of uh, the animated series? And you know, they said Gene selling I, it I and Dorothy running it. I, I, I will tell you, I, I didn't think much about it. It's because anniversaries come and go. We get one every year, right? And. Um, but I did have a moment earlier this month. Yeah, it was this month where I was realizing how much I miss uh, Harlan Ellison and Dorothy Fontana, uh, two of the people who mentored me and uh, put up with me and coached me and uh, stood by me uh, for a long, long time. And I, I miss Harlan. I, you know, there are days I still want to pick up the phone and call Dorothy or mm -hmm. Harlan and, and and just schmooze or uh but i mean dorothy and i and and her husband denny skotak we would meet regularly at jerry's deli and just you know just to hang out and dorothy died and they closed jerry's deli and it's kind of like somebody was saying ah you don't get that anymore yeah it's like and i was like and and yeah dorothy was um <laughs> I, I have to say dorothy never got one tenth the credit she deserves mm -hmm. for making star trek work she should have been in in a world where you know justice and equality uh, were more important she would have been a producer and and she would have been absolutely uh the best producer because she understood star trek better than anybody that's true and that's true. she never wrote a bad script in her life i i don't think she's capable of even thinking of i mean and you got a memo from dorothy about your script and you knew that she had gone through it page by page, carefully thinking, how is this going to look on the screen? And is this going to work? And what did you leave out? And what do you still have to put in? And um, yeah. and what do you have to cut? You know, yeah, what does yeah. not work? <laughs> she was, uh, um, um, if you got a memo from Dorothy Fontana, um, you were both filled with a trepidation and excitement because you knew that one way or the other, whatever happened, you were going to end up with a better script. Right. And and uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry never understood what a treasure she was, and uh, I, I don't feel bad about saying this. He did not treat her well on Next Generation, and I think that was his biggest mistake: yeah. is not realizing that his greatest asset was Dorothy Fontana. Well, I think we're trying to. You know, we were lucky enough to have Dorothy on to Trek Files here, and I was lucky, especially as the years went by, not so much when I was first out here, because the current shows were so so in force. But I'm glad we were able to have it on shed light on not just the original series, but back to the animated series. That was her baby. She produced she produced the animated series. Yeah. I mean, you might think that uh, Gene had his name on it, but Dorothy did the heavy lifting. And um, what got on the screen was Dorothy's view of Star Trek much more than Gene. Now, on Ben, however, Gene decided he needed to be more proactive. And uh, I had um, not had the God thing on the planet and whenever gene got stuck it, it, <laughs> he would he would say well let them fight god and the other one is is which showed up a lot on next generation is let them i was like everything god i know the gene yeah um, yeah but yeah gene was gene only had one after a while they only had the one real story let's fight god and i think that was an expression of what, how his mind worked. He was dealing with his own mortality, his own place in the world. And um, 
you know, I'm not, I, I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not qualified, so I won't speculate on how his mind worked. But you look at the pattern of scripts he, he wrote or was involved with or what he continually suggested, and the God thing kept showing up. Mm-hmm. And I think Bill, uh, Bill Shatner realized when he did Star Trek V, which is a very underrated picture, because it's about Kirk meets God, and this time he says, what does God need with a starship? And that line, that single mm-hmm. line, blows away everything that Gene had done with, why is God messing around with, you know, us? We're not important. We don't, you know, we're not on the ends of radar. Well, that was, so the God, you said, the, in BEM, back to this, the, the, uh, yeah. the, the, the Uhura of the Nichelle Nichols voiced uh, God thing of the planet, but. I was so glad that Uhura got to do that voice, yeah. that Nichelle got to do that voice. I loved her this so much. She's she just such an earth, incredible. Well, it has that earth mother quality to it. But what's, what's interesting. She is such a, losing her was a yeah. great blow. She was just a remarkable, incredibly generous and talented woman. Well, we've gotten more focus on the animated series here in the 50th. Yeah. And, and before, uh, we got the animated series guidebook. But what I think gets by people is that speak so you had two episodes you had more triples more troubles yeah and you had bim yeah and this yeah. is the deal memo i think what people forget and i think it's true of the other one too was you actually pitched those to the to the original series third season right yes Second, i did season. gene wanted to buy gene wanted to buy both of those and he said uh, first meeting he says we've got to do a sequel to the triples that's so popular and and i said i want to do this one where uh spock has to learn that there's a reason for uh illogic and uh and gene said yeah we could do that and uh, we were ready to do it uh, you saw the deal memo and then uh nbc screwed gene on the time they had promised him mm-hmm. eight o'clock on mondays which was a great time slot and this is it's what star trek needed and instead, during the summer, they had this thing called Laugh-In, Rowan and Martin's mm-hmm. Laugh-In, which it was a fad, but it was one of those fads that was pulling incredible ratings. And what they were doing was throwing jokes at the screen, a new joke every 30 seconds. And it didn't matter if the joke was funny or not, there was another one on the way. And I don't know if we were sitting at home laughing out loud. Now, I, I enjoyed the show, and it gave us uh, Lily Tomlin, it gave us Golding Hawn. Um, it gave us Artie Johnson and Henry Gibson. Um, it introduced Tiny Tim, who, by the way, was an amazing singer. Never, I mean, <laughs> he was not an object of ridicule. Really, if you listen to his album, he was incredible. Um, and uh, well, there it was, was such yeah, it, pulled, it was before and yeah, after. It pulled there. such a rating. Right. It pulled such a rating that NBC said, "We really want to keep laughing at that time slot." And uh, what happened is um, uh, they called Gene and they said, Gene, we found the perfect time slot for your show. And Gene's going, "Uh, yeah. And they said, yeah, 10 o'clock Friday nights. Well, (laughs) in those days, you know, we're talking, what was that, 1969? Right, 1969, 68, 69. Nobody stayed home on Friday nights. You went out to the, the new movies were just opening up. And, and the audience went out to the movies. And Gene knew. It was called the death slot. You put this show there right. so you can cancel it. And, uh, and NBC was kind of upset that um, 
uh, uh, they blamed Gene for the letter campaign that saved the show. Uh, so they blamed Gene. And so they really did, were very unhappy about having to invest in a third season. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you a couple of stories about that in a minute. So uh, when they canceled the third season, Gene left. And uh, that was the uh, and so those two shows, those two episodes didn't happen because Fred Freiberger came in and replaced Gene. Uh, Fred Freiberger was he he had a bad reputation of being the last producer on any <laughs> series he worked on. It always got canceled under him. It wasn't a bad man. He brought shows on, on time and under budget, and the scripts were workable. But um, I wouldn't call him a great producer. Right. Well, this is and, this is also um, the time when Paramount had just bought Desilu, and they were right, putting the screws to right. budgets, and, and things. they were cutting the budgets. And and um, well, here's my question: Did yeah? Did, did anyway? Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say: Did your scripts, the way we saw both of these scripts wind up in the animated series? Again, you wrote you were thinking hour long terms. Dorothy knew Dorothy knew about the scripts. Dorothy right. knew what but I I'm wanted saying, to do. Did Dorothy they, and I were great friends. Did they substantially yeah. wind up the same as you had pitched them for the live? Pretty action? much, uh, pretty much. Uh, um, the dribbles, the more dribbles, more troubles ended up. Um, I won't say word for word because we had never gotten to script, but it ended up being representing pretty much what I wanted to do. And uh, and of course, we had to do callbacks to the original show. And, and, you know, the mm -hmm. animated uh, shots don't, are nowhere near as funny as if you had been able to do that live action with the giant pink triple. <laughs> I didn't call the triples pink. That was, um, <laughs> but um, uh, they, imagine a, a live action, a giant triple in Kirk's chair. That would have been hysterical. And, and I know Bill would have had great fun with it. Yeah. Um, and because he may, you know, you watch Bill and he's got, he, he's got the greatest comic time. But nobody knew that way back then. I mean, he was always considered as a dramatic actor, Shakespearean trained actor. And suddenly here he is demonstrating that the skill he has with timing works brilliantly to mm -hmm. comedy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I love that. Now he tells me, look. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> so In tribbles right. and pieces of the so, action and all kinds of moments. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. The, the man is, uh, I mean, he's. You know, some of the fans have an I hate Bill Shatner attitude, which is absolutely wrong because he was the reason the show succeeded. Yeah. Um, and well, so I, um, let me ask you. But the, anyway, but Dorothy, yeah. Dorothy said to me when the Star Trek animated show began, she said, and the first thing I want to do is, is more dribbles, more troubles. They're OK. And then she um, was not really there. She bossed them, but she wasn't there for the second season, which was six episodes. Right. And that's when it got produced. She wasn't happy. I don't think she was happy with Gene adding the God creature to it. I, we made it work. It's not a, it's not a stupid or bad episode. I, Cause I looked at it a couple of years ago and thought, oh, well, this is better than I remember. So. Well, I've wanted to ask you because, you know, Lord X resurrected another Pandro character. I didn't know if you knew yeah. that or not, but what was the whole inspiration? I, I, you said something heard. about Spock and chaos. Was that what, where that came from? The, the colony creature that yeah. separates? I wanted I wanted Spock to deal with a practical Joker because I thought that um, somewhere in my original pitch, there's a note about um, what, how would Spock react to practical jokes and what would it take to get um, to look outside of logic for a Vulcan. And uh, that was, that was the, where it started. Uh, and of course it evolved. Scripts always change as you realize, oh, I can do this. Oh, this would be better. Um, 
So it's hard uh, for me to imagine having done BIM as a live action, though, with the you know with the effects. I don't of the think time. it would have worked. Yeah, I don't think it would work as well as live action. You know, there has been talk, and I've heard this now for 10, 20 years, take the soundtracks and do new animations, do that CGI three dimensional animation, and because we had and and you'd have a whole new set of Star Trek. And uh, this has been pitched to CBS at least three times that I know of. And CBS says, we don't want to spend the money. Mm. And I, I'd tell you a story. Um, they did an alumni banquet at CESA, where I graduated, years and years ago. And um, I went, and they were honoring somebody who had just been promoted to uh, vice president in charge of something at CBS. And I went up and introduced myself. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, we just bought all those Star Treks to rerun and to issue on Blu-rays and whatever. He said, you know, we're not going to make any money on those. And I looked at him and I said, those things are going to be a cash cow for at least another generation. And oh, no, no, no. He did not believe that Star Trek had a potential. Of course, CBS has, has become very very uh, happy that they own star trek now also, oh, sure. i don't know how much money they're making but uh, um they uh, subsequent to that uh fellow named phil bishop was looking for ways to reissue the original episodes on blu-ray uh -huh. and new uh, new uh -huh. effects with mike Bakuda and denise and uh, and all kinds of repackaging and i will tell you the blu-ray uh of the original episodes is the best you will ever see them. They, you, because the film jitter has been removed, the dirt's been mm -hmm. removed. The, the original prints, the original negatives were in great shape. And when they scanned them at 4K or whatever it was, uh, or 2K, um, they were able to make them look better than we saw in dailies. And well, they you were. can see details. Yeah, they were. And you know, it was, it was, uh, well, it was the, doing the Trials and Tribulations episode to have to restrike a new negative to match prints that they, that, that was the thunder. Oh my God, look how gorgeous this is. And, yeah, and that, I was, think that, that was when the they seed. realized, yeah. that was when they realized what a treasure they had that the original negatives were in such great shape. And of course, then with Trials and Tribulations, which is a brilliant, brilliant episode, great writing, great effects, great everything. Um, they matched the film stock. Mm -hmm. They rebuilt the sets. They matched this as Mike and Denise Okuda did an incredible job. They matched the makeup. They matched the lenses and cameras. They matched every detail. There's only one or two things they couldn't quite figure out, but they managed to fake it in such a way that you never noticed. One was that, that the holographic uh, blur on the overheads, and another was the, the uh, they were they didn't think they could find that orange webbing uh, on the ladder. And then they walked out and it was, that was what they were using in the construction area around. <laughs> so they, they found, they made it work. Well, as, as far as looking back at the animated series, are you, are you pretty happy with the way both years came out? I actually, yeah, I, I you know, to, to some extent I thought maybe these could have been better, but then I looked at them both when they came out on Blu-ray and I thought, you know, this series, we can fault the animation, but that's what, uh, filmation was doing at the time, but the writing, the acting, we were doing Star Trek, and um, I'm not unhappy. I, th I think we we managed to uphold the legacy of Star Trek. I know a lot of fans weren't happy. Star Trek, we want a live action Star Trek, mm -hmm. and the animation is it, but th they came around. They said, "You're doing Star Trek stories, okay? 
Well, people were worried that the, this would be like a sop to the fans and they, there'd never be another or a movie. And of course, this was hopefully just as just the first in the building block toward a movie. But uh, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it, what it did is it demonstrated that there was a lot of interest in Star Trek, that Star Trek was still alive. And um, uh, it, it made people realize, you know, we have this thing. And uh, and when Star Wars came out in 77, there was already a new Star Trek series in, in pre-production. And that's when Paramount said, gee, maybe we could do a... I wonder if Star Trek would work as a movie. <laughs> I think it works better as a series, as as a Next Gen and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Discovery and... Uh, it, I've lost track. Well, we certainly, get I think to, it, uh, we certainly get to swim around in this universe a lot more and explore. Well, there's a lot to explore. I, my real feeling about Star Trek is that the best episodes are when we go out seeking new life and new civilizations. It's like, yes, we've done our Klingon stories and we've done our Andorians and our Vulcans and our Romulans. That's all very nice. Let's go out and explore again. I don't want to do the holodeck. I want to go out and find, I want to go out and have an adventure out there with some new world, new people, new civilization and and learn something. I know. And those were my favorite episodes. Other people may have other, you know, that's fine. But those are my favorite. Well, David, I, I'm so glad to sit and, and uh, celebrate the animated series with you, especially these angles that some of the, the your entries both began as live action ideas. And I do also want to go out and explore. Could you come back with us again sometime and explore a little more? Because you had a lot more to do. There's a lot more of Star Trek in you. I, it would, yeah, there's a lot to say. <laughs> The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment and all of our documents and your chance to comment, of course, are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Well, yeah, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. That's where you can also link in for all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts, too, at our Tee Public shop. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.